He said, the conviction that we know the truth and that those who do not share our beliefs are wrong has caused a lot of harm. Education is caught between the 18th century notion of the three R's and the 21st century explosion of technology, politics, and the need to prepare our kids for the ever-evolving global economy. We know parents and educators all want the same outcome for kids, happy, healthy, and independent young people, but how do we get there and what are the obstacles and pitfalls we face along the way? Join us as we ask the question, what's, what's best, best for, for kids? kids? Hi Don, welcome back to the podcast. Boom. <laughs> We're already going to start with bombs. We're just dropping bombs right off the right off the bat on the We're, minefield episode. Hey, huh? minefield episode. Things are going to blow up. Yeah, that's my fear. Yeah, this one's going to be a tricky one. Um, but we're here to talk about a really important topic. Uh, we're talking about the challenges teachers and educators face in an increasingly polarized society. It's never been more difficult to be a teacher, and I, I'm seeing it every day. The stress on my uh, my staff. Uh, on a daily basis as, you know, something else blows up in the world. And as a matter of fact, that is uh, sadly why we took a brief hiatus because uh, mm -hmm. of the uh, attack in Israel uh, by Hamas that has now led to uh, the war that's going on in Israel. And uh, my school needed to be my focus at the time because students were struggling and teachers were struggling. And it led to pretty divisive time on on campus and had to navigate that that was uh very challenging for me uh in, in our community and, and other schools in our area and our individual teachers are facing us on a daily basis before this and then mm -hmm. we have one of the most difficult conflicts in the history of humankind you know becomes inflamed uh, again and it it really has had a uh an almost uh paralyzing impact on teachers, I think, because it is just so difficult to walk into a class of 38 teenagers, smart, you know, caring kids uh, with different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. And then their parents and the emails and, and all that. It, it's a very, very difficult time for teachers to navigate. And we're, it, uh, Troy Pines is also a very cosmopolitan school. It's yes, not a yes. very homogenous. It's a, extremely um, mixed uh, with people international. You know, it's got yes. to have kids from yeah. fifty different or at least thirty different countries, and maybe even fifty. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, easily. I don't know what that exact number. It's become, uh, especially this year, we've had more students transfer internationally than we've ever had before. We just got our first family from Israel. Uh, fleeing mm. the conflict there. Um, and uh, we have had several from Ukraine and Russia uh, over mm -hmm. the years. Syria. And, yeah, we've been a destination school for a long time. So yeah, we've got a much more diverse population than I think a lot of people think. And, uh, you know, high achieving kids, like I said, smart, caring kids who uh, have opinions and uh, live in houses with strong opinions. And so all of those come into a classroom and you've got you know, you know, you're going to have this challenge with a social science teacher or an English teacher who's going to mm -hmm. delve into controversial topics. But it, you know, your biology class didn't used to seem controversial. It now is. Well, your environmental science class is now a controversial topic. It's become incredi incredibly difficult. 
I saw a meme yesterday that Taylor Swift uses more, uh, admits more CO2 than the average American in a year. And she, she, she emits more CO2 in a day than the average American emits in a year. Mm. I just wanted to add environmental science controversy because right. climate change doesn't exist and doesn't have an effect. So it shouldn't matter. So now we've got, now we've got to, uh, now Taylor is going to have to address her carbon footprint Correct. with the world. Beyond her impact on the Washington Redskins, and uh, she's now both uh, being vilified for her involvement in the NFL, although she does shift. Don't you mean the Kansas I mean, City Chiefs? I mean the Chiefs. So. Yes. Okay. Fake fan. <laughs> hey, I'm a Swifty, not a whatever sock skin. What? Yeah, and they aren't the Redskins anymore for obvious <laughs> reasons. They are the Commanders. So that are was we, a, that was a double whammy. It, no, we're leaving all this in, in for sure. This is, is all this staying in. Feel? No, anytime you make a mistake, I leave it in. If I make a mistake, I cut it out. <laughs> That's the genius of how I've set this up. Being the trained editor that I am, I get to leave all your mistakes in. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I get the sympathy vote, baby. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm the villain yeah, of the but, show. Well, that is obvious. Yeah. You're the, at least the uh, cyber bully sense were virtual. Um, <laughs> no, but real, really, like even environmental science. I mean, the, the the whole question of climate change or global warming, or you know, like it, do does human behavior have an impact on um, the 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 planet? You know, and there are camps of people who are committed. And certainly there are the, the flat earthers. I mean, those people, it's hard to believe that there's actually still people that believe that. Yeah, that one. And I don't amazing. mean to offend. And I actually, I do mean to offend any any flat earth listeners. Yeah. You may be offended and turn this up because really. We've yeah, if you're a flat earther, you can stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I will take that hit. <laughs> But, you know, climate change, how much is our behavior? And then the issue of um, what we're doing in the United States and any kind of regulation on cars or miles per gallon or what have you compared to China uh, and, and what China's doing, right? I mean, yeah. We're going to outlaw the leaf blowers, gas leaf blowers, but then China gets to do whatever they want. And... Um, and what is our responsibility? You know, is our responsibility to to lead the planet? You know, like to try to lead the the the, the to change, or do we just say, "Oh, they're doing it, so we're going to do it"? Yeah, and I, I don't want to get too far into the the environmental uh, piece of it because what what I really want to get into is, um, like you know, the the name of the episode is Minefield. The, the, the what a teacher walks into. Uh, your average high school teacher has about 180 kids uh, that they deal with on a daily basis. So, mm -hmm. as I like to think of it, like I talk to people all the time, like when they, you know, we've got a large site. It's 2,600 kids, about 150 staff members. It's a you know small town, um, and when you think about, like people are afraid to go to their Thanksgiving dinner that might have 20 mm -hmm. people because they're worried that somebody's going to bring up a topic that's going Uncle to set, yeah, that's going to set everybody off. I mean, there are entire SNL skits just about this topic. Okay. Now imagine you're a, a teacher in 2023 and you, you don't have 20 people at that table. You've got 180 and you've got all of their parents bringing their opinions to it as well. And you're trying to talk in front of them 
for several hours a day. That is an incredibly stressful thing for a teacher to do in this current environment because there are so, I mean, we're seeing more and more states with limitations on what teachers can even talk about. Uh, and that has made it so, uh, they, they talk about the chilling effect it's had on teachers and I've seen it. You know, I've had so many teachers in my office saying I am sticking directly to my curriculum and yet I've got mm -hmm. a social science teacher that has to teach the Holocaust and they're like, how am I going to stick to my curriculum with this topic? Or they have to teach slavery because they mm -hmm. know if one misstep, it might be recorded by a student who is, you know, uh, um, trying to have that gotcha moment to get it on social media. Uh, and it, it's, it, like I said, it's become debilitating for many of them. And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a better principal at this to try to give them some resources, walk through it. But I'm not an expert in every, in every, uh, uh um, subject matter. Um, and there, the Rand corporation, and, and I would also, I'm, I just want to tag in there that you're not alone. The Rand corporation did a survey and nationwide, a quarter of teachers say that state level limitations have affected their, uh, in, influence their choice of instructional practice or materials. So, you know, you've got a large portion of teachers that are, shifting avoiding yeah uh trying to figure out how to operate and and i think that um you know we all have to agree that life before was simpler in some ways uh and the largest way was that we weren't being funneled or hosed down with constant news and and it's not even news it's just this constant antagonistic barrage of viewpoints you know all those cable channels that it isn't news it's talking heads that are intentionally inflammatory to hold your attention and get you riled up about in, in either direction around some topic but there's never a discussion to come to a solution or a resolution or an agreement or a compromise i mean people can't even uh come to sit down to to discuss the things people are so inflamed about it which is why you know, the board, you think of the school board meetings, especially during yeah. COVID, but even since then, I mean, the amount of, of security that was there, people being let out, protests in the parking lot, people being hurt or threatened, um, school board members whose houses are being, you know, picketed or attacked. Uh, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. And, and as you said, we, you've got the 24-hour news networks, but then you've added the social media component. Right. And uh, we tend to exist in our own echo chamber. Whatever side you're on is, isn't what's important to me today. It's that there is this echo chamber of, I put something out on social media, I get all these likes, see everybody agrees with me, how could you not agree with me? And somebody mm -hmm. else is in a different echo chamber getting all their likes and support, and they don't understand why you don't agree with them. And, and it keeps ratcheting up. And then you put the poor teacher in the middle of this, and everyone's look at the, looking at them, and you've got a, a generation of students who have grown up with much more open lines of communication and information. And they look at the teacher, how could you not know this? And you've got a mm -hmm. teacher who's, you know, 61 in the classroom was like, well, what do you mean? How could I not know this? I didn't, I'm not 15. <laughs> I don't know, you know, what was going on on TikTok and Snapchat on this topic where somebody got canceled or something. And the teacher's like, I mm -hmm. teach chemistry. You know, I can, can we, can we get back to chemistry here? And that, 
the the swirling uh, conversations and emotions that are just creating this stew for poor teachers, and it's really undermining education. I, I it, it, it's painting me to to see it happen, and I'm trying to figure out how to hold the line. And we have in a couple of uh, a couple of ways over the years. Like I, I have to go say, I've got to respect my. Uh, um, my district for their controversial issues board policy. It's really well written, mm-hmm. surprisingly well written for uh, for a board policy, oh. uh, helping us navigate it. And, and we went through it, you know, a few years ago when uh, CRT was the topic, and mm-hmm. there was there were some questions about okay, do we need to ban CRT in our district? And we went back to this board policy, and it was reasonable and uh, well written. And we shared it with everybody. We said, well, no, that makes sense. I think if we, if we focus on how to handle these conversations productively, we don't have to start now putting in bans about what we can and can't talk about even. Uh, and I, I really have a, re- a lot of respect. I don't know which board members put that, put that, uh, wrote that uh, board policy, but they did an excellent job. If you're interested and you're listening, you can uh, look it up. It's the San Diego Union High School District, and it's Board Policy 6144. The Oklahoma governor just banned all DEI offices for the state of Oklahoma. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and and uh, I think I have, I like quotes. You do. I like. You, know, you have a penchant for quotes. Chitnahan, famous uh, Buddhist monk of, from Vietnam, was nominated by Martin Luther King for a uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. Um, he said, the conviction that we know the truth and that those who do not share our beliefs are wrong has caused a lot of harm. Wow. The conviction that we know the truth and that those who do not share our beliefs are wrong has caused a lot of harm. I think that it would be hard to disagree with him. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. That I, my silence is just absorbing that, which is it's obviously so something simple. I wish we could do more often is actually listen and absorb. Um, James Baldwin said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. You know, and he was talking specifically about racism in America yeah, at the right. time. But, you know, if we can't talk about slavery as what it is, as what it was, you know, and then the question, well, what was it? We have uh, documents. There are documents. There are ledgers. We know how many slaves Robert E. Lee had. We know how many slaves Thomas Jefferson had. We know even the reputations of those people, you know. I mean, right. so the idea that it's not true or that we have to change it or whitewash it or somehow avoid it. That's part of the problem. And yet, and yet it it makes people uncomfortable. Well, and to play devil's not, not just to play devil's advocate here, but you know, the reality that a teacher faces is okay. uh, Again, I'll, I'll, you know, use myself as an example. I went to film school and then got Mm -hmm. a teaching credential in English so mm-hmm. when, you know, being in the classroom trying to, on 9-11 and right. trying to explain uh, who and what Al-Qaeda was, mm-hmm. I didn't have the skill set for that. I, I was reasonably aware, so I was able to at least talk about it on some level. 
But we're mm -hmm. now expecting teachers to be trained in some of the most difficult, and as we've seen recently with uh, Penn and, and Harvard and what's going on uh, at the college level, some of the most complicated legal discussions that have ever existed in a, an increasingly hostile environment. And your average English teacher is trying to navigate that with 40 kids ready to record them. Mm -hmm. it, it's they're not trained to do this and we're not providing i'm certainly not i will say it right now i'm i'm having the conversation with staff but i'm not training them on how to navigate this i'm not providing professional development effectively to uh, help them through this they're fortunately smart talented professionals who are navigating it on their own and finding their way to do it uh but it's it's really hard to watch uh the the stress on their face I, I, you know i want to be really clear with everybody listening that the the mental and emotional toll it's taking on our teachers right now is immense and we've got to find a way to give grace to listen to uh uh understand that we can and should be fallible and mm -hmm. have productive conversations and we won't always be right. And it's not about winning a conversation. It's about having the conversation so that mm -hmm. we can, as, as Baldwin and said, face and these things. maybe check our, check, check our agenda. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, as they say, um, listen to learn, not listen to respond. Mm -hmm. And we all just seem to listen to respond right now. I shouldn't say we all, I know not all of us do, but... And the goal of this podcast was to listen, to learn more than listen to respond. And we've always got a stack of notes in front of us. And I feel like I get to about a third of them because we get off on, on topics and have a real conversation. And I hope we're mm -hmm. modeling that a little bit because you and I don't always agree. Uh, we tend to, but we don't always agree. Yeah. But I want our teachers to have that freedom to do that in the classroom because that's where the real learning happens. And when I see them shutting down and sticking to curriculum and just then, fine, I'm just going to give out the pre-approved worksheet that the mm -hmm. County Office of Education sent me and I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to sit at my desk and I'm going to grade the stuff and we're, our, our kids are going to suffer for that because we've put and this, the, uh, this, uh, and the, the teaching profession is going to suffer because people aren't oh, going to yeah. stay. Well, we, we know the data is pretty clear right there. We're, we're about to hit an all-time low in terms of teachers. The teacher shortage is increasing. You've had a, few, you know, a generation that's held on to retirement. I mean, I, I'm an example. Mm -hmm. I've got about five years left. You left uh, a couple of years mm -hmm. ago. Uh, and there aren't a lot of coming in to replace us right now because it, it if you're thinking about it, i'm looking at both neither one of my kids would ever go into education they've seen too mm -hmm. much of what i've gone through and heard too many stories and they're like i'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole i'm going into anything mm -hmm. else literally anything else and they'd both be great teachers my son's a coach you know mm -hmm. um and it, it's sad to see i would have loved to see them go into education because i've loved it but it, mm -hmm. it is and i know i hope this doesn't come across as you always hear this from the retirees, right? Like you know, when you're a new teacher, you come on campus, mm -hmm. and the old guard is up there with like, well, education's really changed. I'm glad I'm not the newbie in here, you know? And, and I hope right. I'm not suddenly that guy. I certainly sound like that um, because our new teachers coming in are fantastic and they're navigating it better than, uh, than I would have. So I'm, I'm 
cautiously optimistic, but I do think we've got to make some changes to make it easier to be a teacher, especially when it comes to the, the as you said earlier, the polarization of our culture. Well, and I talked about when the, the 70s being a simpler time or the 60s being a simpler time in some regards, there certainly were some situations that were not simpler and for pretty, sure, pretty for sure. Difficult. I mean, heck, but getting the, gas I, alone in the 70s was not simpler. <laughs> the basic civil discourse about what's it's OK to have different beliefs. Right. I yeah. mean, that has suddenly, you know, it, it, we've gotten so polarized and given that there's evidence of Russian involvement, PSYOP involvement and in trying in using social media, Facebook, Meta, Twitter to instigate where they're where they're promoting both ends of some conflict about uh, Black Lives Matter or what have you, where they're where they're intentionally creating scenarios that's going to engender and, and create that controversy, which then makes America more polarized. You know, this is. Yeah you know there's proven evidence that that's happening and it has been happening for nearly eight years now and maybe longer i mean as long but but it's ramped up in a way that's that's on top of the news media that's made uh, uh made things more difficult to find common ground you know back in the right. 40s there were seven magazines you actually made a joke about Look magazine or something in one of the podcasts recently, but there were seven: Life, Look, uh, Newsweek, Time, uh, Saturday Evening Post. But but today, well, I we mean, used to watch you know, one national news broadcast for a half an hour. Now you've got and, the beast that must be fed twenty four seven. That is cable news. So you and know, there was also more shared. There, there were only three channels, and 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 everybody watched them, and yeah. everybody shared. I mean, there was just much more shared. Then there wasn't and things have siloed and partitioned and balkanized to a degree that uh we're not we don't feel like we're on the same page i've been, been enjoying walking around the holidays with my dogs so the point is that that there there are factors way beyond us that are that are also that we don't see but we feel you yeah, know yeah and and it makes and that's hard but in a classroom it's inescapable. Yeah, you've got your students who are bringing, you know, what may have been the night before the tirade mm -hmm. at whatever news story hit. And sometimes it's political, sometimes it's just tragedy. You know, after a school shooting, for example, our, right. uh, our staff, I send out resources and we uh, do the best we can. And, you know, but they still have to stand in front of those students and either deal with it or not. And we are talking about human beings who have their own triggers and their own difficulties. They may have lost somebody to gun violence in the past. And so this is very difficult for them on that day. And I'll, I'll get, uh, you know, a school shooting will happen. And, you know, some teachers can, can navigate it and some can't uh, on a given day. I'm not saying in general they can't, but maybe mm -hmm. on a certain day they can't do that. And then I'll get the angry email from the parent that, you know, uh, my son's chemistry teacher didn't even talk about this at all in class. I'm like, okay, well, did you really expect them to? And why is that an expectation? Why, why mm -hmm. are we? I mean, I know they should. Don't get me wrong. These are human beings with children well, in their class, uh, and they should be able to do it. But this expectation that they're somehow going to, again, be able to navigate this incredibly difficult topic in a clean, professional way with zero time to prep 
And they don't have the luxury mm-hmm. of being able to yell at the TV and not have it yell back. They're in a classroom where the kids are going to record them. They're in a classroom where the kids are going to have differing opinions and they have to be respectful. They can't. They don't have the freedom we have at home to just yell at the TV or post something on social media and not have to worry about it making us lose our jobs. Because a teacher can post something on social media and lose their job overnight. It's just mm-hmm. the, that's just a fact. Uh, that's that's a that's not true for most of us in our in our jobs. Well, I I, I got. There, uh, there was a, um, a, a student lost his life by suicide, um, and it and it had come after uh, a school shooting, but it had also come after a visit with my mom, and it was on the tail end of losing my dad. But the long story short, I, I was started as trying to comfort the the students and to talk about this uh, this student who had who had passed away and. I got so overwhelmed with emotion, I couldn't even speak. And then they're comforting me. And then I had to go up and talk to the counselors. And it was all rooted in my fear of, you know, of losing my mom. But it was all unconscious, you know, and it was only, but I got so swept up. I was, I couldn't function. I mean, Mm -hmm. I literally could not. And and an AP came and took over my class. And so, you know, um, and I knew the student who had died, you know, and I, and so there was emotion there as well. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard, you know, relationships can be difficult and losing people without answers. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there was a student who had had died of cancer, Uh, you know, and you think young people aren't supposed to die, right? You don't want to see that happen. And it's, it's, I think it can be extra hard, particularly if you're dealing with the death or of someone else in your family, as you were saying, personally, um, yeah, it, it can be very, very challenging. And they have to put on the performance, you know, at least the high school five level. Times. Yeah, it could be five times a day. It could be, at, you know, at our sites, it's typically three to four times a day. And the, the block periods are 100 minutes. And they've got to somehow, as we referenced in our last episode of season one, you know, fix everything everywhere all at once. They've got to do that while they're teaching AP Chem or, uh, you know, college prep 10 English or uh, intro to business. Uh, college prep 10? Yes, Is college that, prep 10. Oh, CP 10th 10, grade. 10th grade, yes. I thought that was 10th level. I was like, how do you get no. to the 10th level in 10th four grade. years? 10th grade English. I want, I, want the tenth, I want the 10th level English. My kid needs to be in the 10th level English. I heard about it <laughs> yeah, on get, your podcast. I get that request all the time. Uh, but... <laughs> fitting all of that in and that expectation is I I think unreasonable and we need to be uh, a little more sensitive to the expectation we're putting on teachers. And I, and I get it you've got a parent, you've your most valuable resource is your, your kid. It's what you care about the most and you're trusting them with this other adult you've never met. And Mm -hmm. in some cases, six or seven adults you've never met that they see every day or every other day. And that's nerve wracking. But uh, this I think there's this perception that they're all going to be perfect all the time. And Mm -hmm. teachers are human. They're not going to be perfect. Uh, And sometimes that imperfection is exactly what we want. That emotion that you're talking about in the classroom that you needed to leave and have an AP come and take over your class, that mm-hmm. may be exactly what that, uh, that class needed to see a professional adult that they respect have an emotional moment and need some support with it. 
They may have needed mm-hmm. that example, but we have this, you know, we've talked about rap, the bubble wrapped episode from last year. We, we don't want our kids to have any negative experiences. So when something terrible happens in the world, I expect the English teacher to be able to say exactly the right thing as if they have a speech writer. You know, mm-hmm. we see politicians have, um, they have teams of writers who come up with everything they say. And then that ends mm-hmm. up being our benchmark. <laughs> and, it, and it gets shopped and, and, uh-huh. and grouped and And it's been prepared for months. They, they have right. templates for different events ready to go. And then their Mad mm-hmm. Libs, they change the words. But they, yeah, exactly. It's been workshopped. It's gone through. They have a number of people uh, seeing Focus it. Groups. But a teacher walks in you know, uh, the morning after uh, a, a major event, let's say, you know, um, the Charlottesville uh, protest, mm-hmm. and they're somehow going to have to make sense of it with no prep whatsoever because their kid was up that night, you know, uh, coughing and had the it. flu, and they were up and down with the kid and they're exhausted and they haven't had enough coffee yet. And it's like, hey, can you quickly figure out what the heck is going on with this new branch of racism that suddenly has come up? Quick, go. Folks, mm-hmm. <laughs> like let's let let's really appreciate the as we said the minefield that our teachers are going through every single day, even on a good day. You know, not well, let alone when something major happens, but even on a good day, it's difficult. And in the last and in the last five years, we can look to a number of different forms of protest and civil disobedience with the Black Lives Matter through the summer and George right. Floyd. Right. With the the uh, the four the four hundred five, I think was just shut down with protesters, yes. pro uh, Palestinian yeah. protesters, and that's also happening. There's walkouts. There's all sorts of issues, and um, and 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 and, and particularly given, you know, if we were to to, uh, to to look at the Hamas and Israel situation, when you're dealing with people's safety, when you're dealing with mm-hmm. somebody's basic right to exist. Uh, or someone's, you know, like Hamas has avowed the destruction of Israel. Right. Uh, you've got a very, very difficult situation because um, James Baldwin again said, "We can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and my right to exist." Right. And you know, and that's, and, and I think both. There, there are often both sides, there are some situations where both sides can feel like both sides are doing that to one another. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, you know, wh- what what is going on there and how much of it is rooted? I mean, it seems to me, and I don't know, and I'm not a political scientist genius, and this is the minefield episode, so I'm going to walk into this minefield. I feel horrifically sad for the people uh, in Palestine, as much as I do for the people in Gaza that are Israeli, because this is about Russia and Iran and geopolitical dynamics that are far beyond just the people in that area. You know, that there are, um, it, it is a flashpoint at a global level and 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 I understand there is a conflict around that situation, but I think that there's also factors that are beyond that that are inflaming it intentionally. Does that make sense? Yeah, it you know it, it does, and the fact that you even have to ask if it makes sense uh, speaks to the complexities of of what we're going through. Uh, because yes, we all uh, are you know horrified by the 
loss of life, the the um, you know, what is happening to civilians uh, on on both sides, and yet, but Hamas was trained, you know, in airstrike, you know, like these the the paratrooper thing. They didn't do that in Palestine, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, in the Gaza Strip, they they were trained in Iran, right? You know. So that's what I'm saying. And but, the, and, but and that's the exactly my point, Don, is that that's the peeling of the onion of it, that somebody who's been in their little uh, echo chamber sphere of social media or news or whatever it might be and everything mm -hmm. they've read, they're, they're surrounded by it and they understand that. Then they go to the teacher and say, well, what do you mean you don't understand that? I do. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, so you're, mm -hmm. not, you're not doing enough homework. You're not reading enough about this. So you can't right. teach my kid effectively because you don't understand everything. This is exactly my point is, is the, the expectation is completely unrealistic because right now it's uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, right? Mm -hmm. One of the most complex things uh, we've ever, certainly in the modern era, right? Um, mm -hmm. And next week it's going to be something else. And the teacher's going to be expected to navigate that. And a week later it's going to be something else. And it's going to keep changing. And mm -hmm. it's not going to, going to get any easier because we're living in a post-truth world. We've now got AI to mm -hmm. make it even more complicated. We've got AI-generated images and AI-generated videos. So we mm -hmm. may lose sense of what is real and truth, uh, true at all. And yet again, your biology teacher is somehow going to have to adapt every single day to whatever the new thing is and have to do all the research and figure it out. And by the way, teach biology and make sure that kid gets into college. Right. That, it, that's not going to work, <laughs> folks. I got news for you. It doesn't work like that. We've got to stop putting this expectation on schools and teachers uh, every day. We've got to allow them to teach and inspire kids and connect with them in, in the right ways and be prepared for the fact that that biology teacher may not understand the Israeli-Palestinian conflict on the same level you do, and that that's mm -hmm. okay. But so let's have the conversation and let's in, in other ways, but maybe it doesn't have to happen in the biology class that day. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just so, it's been a, I got to say, it, it's the last couple months have been incredibly emotionally affecting, obviously seeing what's happening to uh, the people in that area, um, to see the, 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 the pain on our students' faces, you know, who had, um, we had a group of Jewish students who had been in that area that last summer mm. and were waiting to get word from friends and relatives. And it was mm -hmm. incredibly difficult. And that was some of the work I had to stop and do and talking to, to the students and supporting them. And we had Muslim students who watched all of the Islamophobia come right back. You know, mm -hmm. uh, one of the students had talked about how his dad had changed his last name after 9-11 because, you know, there was so much Islamophobia. And uh, bringing these groups together and watching them talk to each other was so incredibly uh, soul-satisfying uh, because they were all hurting, but finding a way to support each other. And that helped us kind of get through it. Uh, uh, and certainly helped me get through it because I was trying to navigate this and I get protective father. Is everybody okay? And let's try to figure all this out. But, um, it was the student voice as usual. That was the loudest and the clearest and the most, mm -hmm. um, shall we say, uh, insightful, 
Uh, so I really, uh, I know not a lot of the students are listening to the podcast, but if any of them happen to be, you know who you are. I'm not going to call you out by name, but you guys were amazing. And thank you for what you did for your school and for your community, your quality human beings. And it's an honor to be your principal. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I was reading one of the articles that you had posted, uh, kind of back st- background, and it was called The Art of Education. It was from October 15th, 2019. And it the the the, the subtitle <laughs> oh, was what why a time. is it so, it says why is it so hard to be a teacher today? Yeah, and that was in twenty nineteen. <laughs> Pre COVID and they talked about vaping. Vaping the epidemic of vaping. What's is, vaping? I've is, never is, heard is, of it. Uh, <laughs> uh but the their list too great of a workload. The public doesn't understand what teachers are responsible for. The epidemic of vaping, cell phones, uh, distraction, filming, social media, mental health in schools, uh, increasing violence, bullying and cyberbullying, and the 24-7 expectation of responses. Yeah, that's that's the big one I'm getting right now is the uh, I sent you an email 45 minutes ago. Why didn't you respond? Well, I was I was right. teaching. Uh, there was there was all those kids, and I was that teaching. were in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> like they, you know, <laughs> I was educating. That's my job, not to answer emails. Oh man, yeah, that that article I I, I loved because it was you know that's pre pandemic, and it's it, almost naive. Yeah, well, which, yeah, which speaks to how. The, the the rate or pace of life has ramped up mm-hmm. you know, if we let it when we allow it right and and of course you can sit in the cabin and it's still ramping up and going faster and harder and what have you right um but it's just it is it is fascinating uh it's fascinating it just, it just how, how how much are we are all still affected by the covid thing well, you know? yeah, the, I, every year. So what are we, three years out? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've lost count at this 20, point. Yeah, but, 2020. You know, I still get those questions. When is it going to be normal again, Rob, you know, for my staff? Like <laughs> we keep waiting for that normal year. And I, you know, hesitate to use all the buzzwords, even though I have used them in the past, like this is the new normal and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think we know what the new normal is right now. And I think that is one of the challenges where we're, our kids have definitely gotten better the longer they've been mm-hmm. in school, you know, uh, the last three years. Certain things have improved. Some of the behavior is better. Some of it's uh, more extreme, but not necessarily because of the pandemic, more because of the other influences they've got in their life, in particular social media, cell phones, et cetera, which I know mm-hmm. is a, a drum we beat often, but it's true. The data is there. But the, um, you know, you when you combine the generational differences, as we've talked about, uh, with Gen Z and now the upcoming pollers with the teachers who are largely Gen X, some boomers still, and uh, increasingly millennial, uh, there is a major gap between their understanding of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I, again, like I've said, I've seen it too many times with students where they'll, you know, you, you try to um, discipline them on something and they're just confused by it. They're not being defiant they're just confused because they don't know what that is or, or why that is. And they don't understand why you don't understand what they know really well, because they've been drinking from a fire hose on this particular topic and it's brand new to you. Um, and that's a generational issue. 
uh, that didn't used to be as intense because we had a, a paradigm where you did what the teacher told you. And if you didn't, you got in trouble and you moved on. It doesn't work that way anymore. Now, if you get in trouble, you've got a defense attorney uh, to get that cleared because you can't possibly get in trouble because referencing our, our uh, other episode, you won't be able right, to get into can't. college. So uh, that whole dynamic has turned upside down and made it even more difficult. So the teachers just thrown up their hands. They find do the work you're going to do. Don't do the work you're not going to do. You're tardy 16 times in a row. I- I'm done trying to track you down. Uh, that is a pandemic piece, actually. Um, I think the attendance piece that we've seen um, uh, is definitely rude in the pandemic. The kids got used to a different version of school and quite frankly liked lots of it and want part of it back. And they don't see the the same value in being in, you know, locked into a building for seven hours. I'm well, slightly off no topic. Different. I apologize. But. Well, but that's not different than the, the, the adults. I mean, mm-hmm. how many, yeah. like, like Google or, or Amazon has just said, everyone's got to go back to work five days a week in, in, uh, in the office. Um, you know, some places have embraced Did they really it say and they've that? done away with it. Oh yeah. They have. Oh, I didn't oh. see that. Oh yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and, and I don't think they're alone. Uh, you know, there yeah. are a lot of yeah. uh, of companies that believe that their people are more productive or what have you. And there are other companies that have decided that they're able to save more money by letting go of leases and letting go of having to supply everybody everything. And uh, and and people are being productive the way that they are. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then. You know, since the, I mean, what wasn't on that list before uh, is, you know, the expectations that teachers are addressing, as you had brought up before, the loss of a student, student suicide, um, the vaping drugs. And now, uh, you know, we're focused on uh, fentanyl, um, Mm -hmm. another topic altogether. And what I get all too often is, why aren't you stopping the teachers and telling them to talk to the kids about all of this? And it fundamentally misunderstands how difficult that is. Uh, there is still this, uh, this belief of many that if we just tell them, they'll learn. And we know kids don't learn that way. Because uh, if that was true, w- we wouldn't have the system we've got right now. We would just stand up, talk, test them, and move on. It doesn't work that way anymore. But it also misunderstands how difficult it is to have those conversations. It just mm-hmm. it, It's easy when we have it in the... This sounds crazy, but the what uh, the safe environment of social media. You've got this system that is designed to uh, applaud you for whatever you say. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how it crazy it is. Yeah, reinforces, uh, you know, a major confirmation bias because you're going to put it out there. You got all the likes. See, it must be true. Mm-hmm. No, they just clicked a button that said they liked it. We don't know why they liked it. Maybe they liked it because it was so <laughs> insane. They thought it was funny, you know? <laughs> Um, and then we use that as justification for why we're going to scream at somebody who doesn't uh, agree with us and it's messing with our heads. I mean, it just, well, it's messing with I our heads. And I also think that I, the, the, I'll say the last couple of years, I was shocked at the degree to which ideas that were kind of just foundationally, I believed, not only did I believe them, but I believed everybody believed them, uh, th- that, and that kids don't believe like Helen Keller was deaf and mm-hmm. blind. Yeah. You know, I mean, I got an entire t- multiple classes 
not just one class or one kid, multiple classes, large, you know, half the class arguing that it was not true, that she wasn't blind, she wasn't deaf, that's just a joke, or it was a conspiracy, or she tricked the doctor. I mean, the you know, again, this post-fact, post-truth world, mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter that there's a video of it, or it doesn't matter that they, you know, that she wrote it on I mean, does it matter that there's a hundred years of recorded evidence of Helen Keller being blind and deaf? That's not true. <laughs> well, right. okay, you know, there's nothing that keeps somebody in a perpetual state of ignorance than uh, contempt prior to investigation. <laughs> right. and, exactly. And yeah. Yet, yeah. And if somebody's just rooted in, I don't believe it, so it's not true. Okay, well, you're going to have a difficult time in life. You well, know. no, they're probably not going to because you're going to be able to find your tribe. You're going to be able to go online and find the group that completely agrees with you. I mean, you, well, you talked about it. Well, they're not going to find any flat earthers in this podcast because we've already told them no, to get out. We've established that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they're still listening, I applaud them because they're learning. And, you know, they're willing to uh, open their mind a little bit to facts and reality. And maybe an Apollo 13 camera shot of the earth or was the uh that was faked anyways there was no moon landing did you see the netflix documentary on uh the flat earthers when they they do the science and no the, i can't the guy I does can't. he does the experiment and it shows that it's round and he's like oh no i must have done something wrong like <laughs> he did his own experiment and you it's absolutely the hilarious greeks knew the circumference of the earth within feet when they measured it with two sticks, I mean, there was a guy who figured out the, the circumference of the earth yeah. three, you know, 3,500 years ago. So yeah. again, uh, this is the world yeah. our teachers are <laughs> navigating. Cause some kid's going to come yeah, in yeah. who was up till 3 a.m. on the thing, flat earther stuff. The Helen Keller thing set me yeah. over the edge. Yeah. I have to be honest. I, I was like, by the third, by the end of the day, you know, and I kept thinking, is this like a spoof thing? Did they all text each other in order to like <laughs> do some kind of candid camera? Oh, sadly, that's our just, world. Yeah. Yeah. And mind blowing. Mm-hmm. You know, I get, you know, you could say I've never heard of her or I don't know her, but not know she wasn't. I mean. Meanwhile, a teacher makes a misstep in a sentence and they lose their job or they post something mm-hmm. on social media and they lose their job. And mm-hmm. we saw it recently play out with, uh, you know, Penn and Harvard and, and calling for their heads because well, the, and, and because they were called in front of Congress to to talk about this topic. The question is why and right. why were and they picked to do it? Because no, there's it's many other colleges. Are we going after every head of college? Like it, it didn't make any sense to me and to – to not be able to have a conversation with somebody who's devoted their life to education and say, okay, so why are you having such a legal approach to this? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And so that we can, again, listen to learn rather than say, okay, well, you don't agree with me. You're done. You're out. You can't ever do what you've done your entire life again. Wait, what? Well, Hold on. Well, the House the House GOP, uh, the House passed a GOP-led resolution with 125 Dems, two, 303 to 126 you only needed 290, so they got 13 more votes than needed, uh, calling for the ouster of the Harvard and MIT presidents because right. of their testimony. Right, which it, it, I, 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 I'm, I'm flabbergasted by that, that whole idea, uh, mm-hmm. that we can go down this road 
and in this, you know, of, of all of their body of work, all of them mm-hmm. included in all their body of work, we're going to narrow it down to a couple of sound bites here and there that we've decided are completely unacceptable and no one can ever say them again. Again, in a, in a world where, in a country, I should say, at least, where we are, are based in free speech, uh, even speech we don't like. And, and it, it, I mean, I, well, you can, you can I, hear me struggling right now because I, I'm worried about what I'm going to say because we're recording this and putting it out there. And I'm like, is this going to come back to me? But well, uh, what I read or what I heard is that part of the problem was that they were, or, you know, when I say part of the problem, that 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 they were coached by uh, lawyers rather than PR people. Mm. So, yeah. you know, that they were they were trying to thread the needle and 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 be able to stay in a position of, you know, seeming neutrality when there is no real neutral space in this. And, and the whole idea of going up there, it, it was a setup to begin with. Yeah. Really? I mean, right. and what, I mean, what, accepting that, well, like what, what, what's the point of, of, of the whole thing other than theater, yeah, you know, it, and to get political points and to rally the base and. Right. And it, 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 it's a great question. That was the question I was asking as I watched this happen. Like I'm certainly not on their level, but uh-huh. as a school leader, I empathized with them or sympathized with them on, on a significant level because there was a lot of pressure on me to put out a statement after the Hamas Israeli attacks. And we did later than uh, some people liked. It didn't come out fast enough. And I got hit really hard because it didn't come out fast enough. Well, I Mm -hmm. was spending that first day trying to help my teachers and students navigate this. So I wasn't as focused on getting a statement out to the community. Right. What what (laughs) about the 10 staff, 10 person deep PR staff you had to do that? No, my, my, my staff, my, uh, my, my team, my secretary, and my three APs were in the middle of IEPs and 504s and SSTs and still running Wait, the school. Wait, life didn't stop just because this event happened? Strangely <laughs> enough, no. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, there, there is no team to help me write these things. I've got a, a you know, that's part of my job. I mean, I'm not going to sit and say that I need right. a, a writing staff, but that, that's my point again. I, you know, I, even the kids, when they looked at me and they said, well, you know, Copo, um, uh, the mayor and uh, the president have these statements out and all that sort of thing. I go, I understand, guys, and they have a staff that does this. I'm still running a mm-hmm. school. I understand that I'm a community leader. It's important that I I stand for the right things and people know where I stand in certain areas. But at a certain point, we are still an educational institution, and I cannot put out political statements. I just can't. That's a violation of ed code. Mm-hmm. It's very clear on this one. And they were like, okay. And it was a great conversation with them. But instead of them coming at me and, and protesting against me, they had the conversation with me. And it was a great mm-hmm. conversation. They learned. I learned. Uh, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated to see not happening at those higher levels. That uh, it seems like they've pulled back on some. They haven't all lost their jobs. But that is a glaring example of what your average... Uh, teacher is faced with right now. Your average teacher who's making a salary that we know is not adequate uh, is seeing the head of MIT, you know, being fired Mm -hmm. or threatened to be fired for a comment that they made that absolutely paralyzes teachers. Mm -hmm. And it's not serving our kids ultimately is the most important piece because we're, we're and, setting and I, an example that, that it's all or nothing. You're either perfect 
all the time in a changing world or we're done with you. And that's but it's not, not even perfect. You're perfect within the accepted majority point of view, you know, which does or the that current prevailing the wind, you know, whatever. The current, the, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the idea of education is this open market of, of, of points of view, but there it's being prescribed. Well, yeah, I would say playing devil's advocate, though, uh, some would argue that um, it shouldn't be, you know, teach my kid biology, don't teach them about all these other things. Teach my mm -hmm. kid uh, English, don't, I, I don't need you to talk about uh, their, uh, uh, their sexual orientation uh, in your English class. And, okay, but what does a gay teacher do right, uh, I, I, with I, their picture of their partner? And yeah, I don't want to go down, you know, the, the rabbit hole of this because that would be this a whole... This is the minefield episode. Right. This is the, that would be the whole episode if we, we started going down that. But, you know, the logic of that on, on the surface makes some sense. What the, the, the problem with it is it, again, misunderstands how students learn, what's going on in the classroom, because it assumes certain people don't exist. Or that mm -hmm. if we talk about it, they'll stop existing. And we know from the data of the, the way LGBTQIA students feel in school, uh, we need to address their needs. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we just have to. That's, that's the humane thing to do. Um, and it's true of other demographics in our school. We have to address their needs. We have to understand them. We can't just teach a subject because we don't teach subjects. We teach kids. We teach students. And there's more to this whole world than just the five or six classes they've got or six or seven classes they've got. And if we don't teach those other things, they're not going to learn the subject. That's the key thing mm -hmm. I think that when I talk to people about it, it's, well, can't you, just, can't you just tell the teachers to just focus on their subject? I'm like, well, that would be nice. But it's not the 70s anymore where we can do that. Mm -hmm. It just isn't. And it's because of these technology tools we've created and the flood of information that's out there. We have to help them navigate that. Uh, that is our obligation as educators, as difficult as that is. And that's kind of my whole point of this episode. You're walking through this minefield that was already difficult before the pandemic. And it became mm -hmm. a thousand times more difficult afterwards with the heated rhetoric we're seeing that is just ramping up week after week after week. It is not getting any quieter. And we haven't even really hit the core of the election year. So right. Can you imagine what this is going to be like for our teachers in the spring? Right. No, I remember what it was like in November of 2016, yeah. you know, for yeah. both sides. Yeah. And it's, and it's more intense now than it was then. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just want to, I, I want to close out a little bit with um, just thanking all of the educators and all of the staff at every school in this country who are showing up to work every day. The, the ones who, I tweeted about it one time that, um, you know, every day after a school shooting, every educator who shows up to school to be there with those kids mm -hmm. is a hero because it's terrifying for them to go. It's a reminder that uh, that could happen to them as rare as it is. Uh, if you listen mm -hmm. to our safety podcast, we know it is very rare, but the fear, the fear is very real. And yep. uh, the teachers who did expertly navigate the uh, Israeli Hamas, um, the Hamas attack in Israel, and were uh, a resource for their students on that day. I want to thank you. Um, and I, I just have such tremendous respect. Not every educator is perfect. I'm certainly not. You're not. 
but they do incredible work in a an extremely difficult time to do what they do. And I'm just honored to be a part of this profession. I want to thank them all for what they do. And I, I just let everybody listening know how much I appreciate our educators and the incredible students we serve. Um, I can't follow that. That's, that's hard to follow. So we'll close out, Don. Um, it's with, an honor with to quote? work with you. Yeah, close, close out with a quote. Dave's Baldwin, I'm going to repeat it. Not everything, uh, no, we could disagree and still live, love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and my right to exist. So I think, you know, when you get into these um, sticky areas, it's like we can disagree. We The basic civil discourse about what's okay to have different beliefs, this is important. Uh, unless the, the belief is about the oppression or... Um, annihilation of somebody right if we can lead with some respect um and empathy we can find consensus and we'll all be a lot happier yeah yeah we all just get along yeah <laughs> thanks don listeners don't forget if you'd Thank like you. to be a part of this conversation please email us at best for kids pod uh best for kids podcast at gmail.com uh follow us on instagram at best for kids podcast we did not make uh, any Gen X reference. This is the first podcast where there was no mention of Stretch Armstrong or Evil Knievel or and Pop Rocks. Now you've just kept that straight going because you just mentioned them. So You're welcome. See you next time. That's all for today's episode. If you found our conversation thought-provoking and want to know more, you can find resources and guest photos on Instagram at Best for Kids Podcast. If you'd like to join the conversation, please email us at bestforkidspodcast at gmail.com. And to help us keep this conversation going, please rate and subscribe in your podcast app of choice. But more importantly, we hope you stay curious and keep asking, what's, what's best, best for kids? kids?